Please remain standing and take the pages of the scripture in your hand as we read our two scripture readings this morning. The first one comes from uh, the book of Psalm 22. The book of Psalm 22. It is a messianic uh, psalm, Psalm 22. We have the prophecy of the suffering of the Messiah on Golgotha, on Calvary, Psalm 22, uh, 1 to 8. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the, by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouth at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for, the, for he delights in him. Now turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. As we continue making our way through the Gospel of Mark, we'll find ourselves this morning on chapter 15, beginning from verse 33 to 41. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a, a sponge with sour wine, put it on a, a, a red and a red and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his lust. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, our only desire, highest desire this morning is for you, our God, to bring heaven down to us through the preaching of your word. 
In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Beloved, in the Bible, there are varieties of titles that uh, refers to Jesus Christ. And they always make you wonder how they stood up together to put the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ on display. The two titles of Jesus Christ that I am now thinking of are the title Lamb and uh, King. I want you all to think about those two titles and ask this question, how would they come together at the same time and explain to you the work of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer? And it will not be difficult for you to understand the role of explaining the specific work of Jesus Christ as Lamb and King separately, individually, but it would be somewhat hard and strange to consider them together at the cross. Come to the cross by faith this morning with your spiritual eyes. Come to the cross and consider both of them together at the cross. Lamb and King. Who died on the cross? The lamb died on the cross. Who died on the cross? The king died on the cross. The lamb king died on the cross. How would you justify both on the cross? Both the lamb and the king dying on the cross. Again, to say Jesus, the lamb, suffered and died on the cross would not be hard for you to understand or agree with. But what about the king dying on the cross? The conqueror, the one who created the universe by the power of his word. The king, the ruler, who came to to conquer, not to be conquered, but to conquer, dying on the cross, suffering on the cross in the hand of wicked men in in Israel, in, in Rome, People whom he created by his own image. God in the flesh suffering on the cross in the hand of the wicked man. Think about that. Think about that. And I want us to ask this question. How? How would this be true about the king dying on the cross? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ the king, in order to become a sacrifice for our sins, he willingly had to uh, leave his royal throne in heaven and come to the world as, as a lamb to bear all shame, despise, and death in our place. Romans 5, 6 tells us that for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So the king forsook his throne in heaven and he willingly became a lamb. A lamb that would be silent 
in the hands of its shearers, in the hands of those who would slaughter a lamb. She had to come and be silent in the hand of his shearers. Yes, at the time, you see, Jesus died on the cross. He was the king. Not only the king of the Jews, but the king of the whole world. But he was dying on the cross as the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. In Isaiah 53, 8, Isaiah tells us he was silent. He didn't open his mouth. When they insulted him, when they reviled him, he was silent. In Revelation 13, 8, John saw Jesus as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So you see, beloved, God's intention had always been to send Christ, the lamb, to lay down his life that his blood might cover the sins of believers. And that's what we see in our text this morning. We see that in our text in three ways. We see the lamb being forsaken. We see the curtain at the temple being torn from the top to the bottom. We also see the confession of the centurion. Through these three features during the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, we see it was indeed that the Lamb King died for us on the cross. Listen to, uh, to Mark in verse 33. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you all remember Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was tortured by the Sanhedrin. And then they uh, gave him to the Romans. And the Romans were making fun of him. They were mocking at him. They crucified him on the cross. They were insulting him. But now we see that uh, at the time that Jesus was hanging on the cross, being crucified on the cross, utter darkness from above, from heaven, came upon the land. It was dark. It was dark. Was it a natural um, eclipse? Was it Satan being in full control? Some people think in that way. What, what was this darkness? What was this darkness that came upon the land upon Calvary when Jesus was crucified on the cross. You see, we hear Jesus crying with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We hear that cry from Jesus. And it is easy for you and I to think the Father was not present, present, present on, on Calvary. 
The father was absent. God was not present on Calvary. It is easy for us to think in that way. Or we might think, shouldn't the father come down immediately and punish the, the, blas, the blasphemers and protect his son? Shouldn't the father come down and save his son? Well, the answer that the scripture would give to us is, God the Father was present on Calvary. But listen to this carefully. God the Father was not present on Calvary, on Golgotha, to punish those who were blaspheming against his son or to protect his son. But the Father was present on Calvary to punish his own son. He was present. He was there. But he was there to punish his son. Isaiah 53, 6. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Father was on Calvary to do this, to fulfill this, to fulfill the scripture. To lay all our sins upon his son Jesus Christ. Which also means to punish his son. The sixth hour was noon. Noon in Israel was considered to be midday when the sun is at its highest point. It was very unusual for all people in Israel to see the land being darkened. You know, darkness coming upon the land. It was very unusual for everyone who was observing that. But why darkness? Well, if you know your Bible well, God is often spoken as light. In Psalm 27, 1, the psalmist says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. God is described in the scripture as light. Light is a sign of blessing. Light is a sign of God's visitation for salvation, for forgiveness, for mercy, for grace. When, when everyone says, God is my light, the, that person is speaking about blessing. Psalm 18, 28, it is you who light up my lamb. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Truth, wisdom, holiness, righteousness are always accompanied by the light of God. So light is a good sign. Light is good news. But also in the Bible, darkness represents God's wrath and judgment. God's wrath and judgment upon what? Sin. Exodus 10, 21 to 23, God said to Moses, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand to, toward heaven, that there, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. You see, that light uh, that came upon Egypt was the sign of God's wrath and judgment upon Egypt. God came upon Egypt to punish sin, to punish wickedness, and to free his people. Psalm 107, 10. 
Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. You see, beloved, light is a symbol of God's presence to bless and give life. But darkness is the sign of God's presence to punish. And who was being punished? The Son. The blameless Son of God. The blameless and sinless Son of God was punished and He was punished in our place. Jesus on Calvary was crucified on the cross in your place, in my place. He was your substitute. He was my substitute. It was in those three dark hours that God's judgment was poured out on Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus was forsaken by his Father. This was the reason why Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know, beloved, for the first time in his life, for the first time in his ministry, he sensed the absence of the eternal communion that he enjoyed with his Father for eternity. He was interrupted, he was stopped. His father gave his back on his son. His father was not looking at our sin, the sins of his people. Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in those three dark hours, he was bearing the sins of God's people upon himself. On those three hours, these two were fulfilled. Second Corinthians 5, 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This was fulfilled in those three dark hours. He made him sin. The one who, who didn't know sin, he became sin for us. He was treated by his father as a sinner. And you and I were treated by the father as righteous. But him as a sinner, guilt sinner. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Jesus was carrying the curse of the law. You see, the Bible says everyone who is crucified on the cross is cursed by God. That's why he was forsaken by his father, because God would never look on sin. Habakkuk 1.13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. So the father wouldn't look at at the evil that his son was bearing. Our evil deeds, our sin. The father wouldn't look at our sin because he was he's too pure to look on evil. That's why he gave his back on his son. Why? Because of your sin, because of my sin. Every time we think about the cross, every time we 
contemplate on the cross, we often think about what Jesus did for us, being crucified on the cross. How many of us would think, this was my work, my sin, my sin did that. It was my fault, it was my sin that caused those three hours of darkness, that caused the Son of God to cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why, why, why are we not in fellowship? Where, where am I not enjoying your presence right now? Where, I, where are you, my father? He knew what was going on. He knew his father was present on Calvary, but his father was present on Calvary to punish his son. You see, the, 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 the Romans and the Jews who crucified Jesus, when they heard him crying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what they said? He's calling upon Elijah because the Jewish people, they believe it. Elijah, who is a righteous man, will always show up when the righteous suffers. That was their belief. So they were saying, if you are really righteous, let Elijah come and help you. If Elijah doesn't show up, you're not righteous. But for Jesus, it was what? It was his father forsaking him. But the father forsaken him for our sake. For Jesus to become a sacrifice for sin, our sin. For Jesus to remove the wrath of God from us, the wrath of God that was supposed to come upon us because of our sin. But Jesus stood in the middle, the mediator of the new covenant. He stood between the Father and us, and He removed the wrath from us by bearing our sins upon Himself. Well, secondly, we see the curtain being torn from top to the bottom. Listen to verse 38. And some of the bystanders uh, hearing it said, Behold, he's, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with so wine, put it on a, a, a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus, listen to this, uttered a loud cry, and breathed his lust. Doesn't that surprise you? Someone who was tortured, someone who was beaten, someone who was despised, dying on the cross, crying aloud? Who would do that? From where do, would you get that loud voice? Unless you are the Son of God. Unless you are taking your own life by your own will for the salvation of the people of God. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, it is I who give up my own life. No one, is, no one can take my life away from me. I will give it by my own will. That's what Jesus was doing. You see that loud voice? It was because of it was Jesus who was giving up his own life for the sins of the children 
of God. And then Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. Now notice carefully, the moment he breathed his last, which means died. Breathed his last, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, into two from top to bottom. Yes, Jesus was forsaken by God, but through his death, through his last breath, he was triumphant for God, for our salvation. He breathed his last, he died, and his death on the cross was torn, the curtain in the temple from, from top to the bottom. What does that mean? What does that signify for us? There were two curtains in the temple. One divided the courtyard from the holy place, and one divided the holy place from the holy of holies. And only the high priest in Israel would come into the holy of holies to intercede on behalf of God's people. Now, when Jesus breathed his last, when Jesus died on the cross, through his death, Jesus brought all the mosaic system, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament to an end. Jesus was saying, I am the last Passover lamb. It is finished. No more animal sacrifice. In Israel, anywhere, salvation, forgiveness, justification is through my death on the cross. And from now onward, Jesus was saying, by my death, through my death, uh, an open door, a direct access is opened for all people to come to my Father as his children and call him Abba, Father, by the Spirit who dwells in them. Jesus opened a direct access for you and I to come to the Father, to pray, to worship, to call him Abba, Father, Hebrews 10, 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way. You see, new and living way. What new and living way? This. His death on the cross. The curtain being torn, torn up uh, into two from the top and the bottom by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. It was a real suffering, beloved. Physical suffering for Jesus. To do what? To open this gate. To open this door for us. You see, once you come to Jesus and believe in his death, believe in his resurrection, you don't need me as a pastor to bring you to God the Father. You don't, bring a, you don't need an elder. You don't need a priest. You don't, you don't need the Pope to, to bring you to the Father. You have this direct and open access to the Father as His child. You can come to your Heavenly Father anytime, under any circumstances, and call Him Abba, Father. That's what Jesus did for us. Romans 5, 2. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
In this grace we stand because of his death on the cross. That was the reason, beloved, why Paul in Romans 8.35 asked this question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? And then he answers the question, his own question in verse 38. Nor height, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. What love of God? Eternal love of God. What love of God? Electing love of God. What love of God? Preserving love of God. No one, nothing would separate us from this love of God. But how? In Christ Jesus our Lord. In his death and resurrection. You see, the love of the Father and the death of his Son on the cross will keep us in Christ forever. That's the assurance of your salvation. That's your eternal security, brothers and sisters, in Christ. In Christ Jesus, the love of God, the work of the Son on the cross secures salvation for you forever. Forever. Lastly, the confession of the centurion. Listen to Mark. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. Notice carefully, the centurion who was watching Jesus dying, who was observing everything that was taking place at the cross during Jesus' crucifixion. I will add more. Do you know who was watching when Jesus was dying on the cross? The high priest, Caiaphas, was there. The one who condemned him to death. You know, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, you know, the Jewish people who, who crucified the Son of God, the Romans, they were there watching. And before Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know what, what he said? Do you know the statements he made in their hearing? All of them hearing? The first one was what? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then he saw his mother, and he called it John, one of his disciples, and he said, here is your mother, take her home and take good care of her. Number three, they heard him saying to the thief who repented, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. And then he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he breathed his last. And the centurion was watching all these things. The centurion was watching Jesus crying aloud and breathing his last breath. And he said, this is unusual. This is unusual. Number one, there is darkness. You know, the, the, you know what they were saying? You know, the centurion and others, what they were saying was, you know, we crucify people all the time. But we have never seen darkness coming down from heaven. We crucified this man, darkness came, came upon the land. We have never seen 
someone being crucified on the cross, crying aloud. This is unusual. And his conclusion was, this man must be the son of God. What a confession. This is the Messiah. This is the son of God. The Messiah to come for the salvation of sinners. This is the man about whom John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb who will take away the sins of the world. Beloved, my question to all of you today is this. Have you come to that realization as a person, as an individual person? Have you come to that realization that it was your sin your private, your personal sin, a collective sin that caused the Son of God to bear all our sins on the cross on those three terrible dark hours. It was our sin. Have you come to that, to that realization? Have you confessed Jesus Christ? As the Son of God. Have you read the Bible over and over again? And then one day you said, this must be the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is whom I want for my life in my life. The Lamb King who died for me on the cross. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Indeed, the gift that you have given us in your Son, Jesus Christ, is a marvelous gift. And we confess Christ as the Son of God, as the Messiah who bare all our sins on the cross. Yes, it was our sin who took him to the cross. And we repent of all our sins, O oh Lord. And thank you for the, for the forgiveness of our sins that you have given to us through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And now help us, Lord, to live our lives as those believers who recognize and confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Lord of glory, the one who died on the cross in our place. In his name we pray. Amen.